Welcome to episode two of the Gravel Grind podcast. Uh, I say episode two, it's actually episode one of the official Gravel Grind podcast. Um, so the previous episode was recorded under an old guise for a different podcast that we had, but uh, decided Gravel Grind was the better option. So here we are. Um, James, I think, I mean, a lot's happened since that first recording. Because, I mean, it was a few weeks ago now. It wasn't like one week ago. It was probably a month ago, if anything. Um, I mean, the, one of the main things we talked about in the first podcast was you not owning a gravel bike yet. And since that recording, you've acquired one. Tell us about that. I feel that, um, you know, I, I, I was big on the enthusiasm. Like, oh, should we start a podcast? Or oh, what do we both like? You know, and if, if our podcast is going to be about gravel cycling gravel riding what what i mean mate i don't even know what we call it gravel riding question mark gravel, gravel... cycling i think is closer <laughs> like i'm not gonna you... text you be like oh should you... we should we go graveling <laughs> we can go graveling gone graveling that's a thing gone graveling yeah I, I mean you know i love road cycling i love triathlon i love the idea of gravel cycling um and I quite like the idea of doing a really big, really long cycle cross country, you know, and once I've, I've, I've cycled a hundred kilometers, right. From Port Albert to Pembrokeshire, where, where we're both from, where we live. Yeah. Um, and I did that on my road bike. I did that on my, I've got a, I've got a carbon Canyon, no, no, I don't. Sorry. I've got a Tarbon <laughs> giant, giant. What a class start, isn't it? I wish I had a Tarbon Tanyan, uh, but no, I don't. I've got a Tarbon uh, giant propel, right? It is a beautiful, amazing bike, but even on the back roads, you know, in between some of the like absolute like nowhere villages that I was cycling through, you know, I'm there thinking, oh, goodness, you know, this is, this is shaking yeah. the frame a little bit. Maybe I'm just being a bit too precious. No, one of um, the big downsides of an aero road bike or an aero road bike is the fact that they are very stiff. They're designed to be stiff and there isn't much compliancy in any way on that frame. Um, so no, it's going to be more uncomfortable than just a bog standard road bike, let's say, let alone a gravel bike, which is more relaxed, bigger tire volume, uh, just designed to soak up a bit more, really. So I want, so, you know, that combining with the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to be doing a lot more of this and obviously you've got a gravel bike, Jack's got a gravel bike. I want to, I want to cycle with the boys, isn't it? Um, yeah. I've, I would like to have... point out at that point, it's probably a good place to point out. We're all reasonably new to gravel cycling. So I picked mine up in September. Jack was about the same time. Um, previous to that, we were road cyclists, but um, yeah, as a whole, we're all fairly new to gravel gravel cycling so uh, just i'm more than happy to be like we're jumping on the bandwagon that is like the absolute uplift of gravel cycling and one of the pitches that um i heard about this will be a few months ago and i might be totally wrong this might be absolute like misinformation but a lot of gravel cycling stems from north america where you know if you're gonna throw if you're going to do a three four hundred mile cycle from you know idaho to like, like you know across like the central states or, or coast to coast for instance it's too far for a cross-country bike but too you know inhospitable for a road bike so that gravel bike will do the distance and the terrain 
and that's sort of the that's sort of the main selling point for me is that you know i know it sounds stupid but if i fancy cycling to paris right i'm going to be able to do that without having to stress too much about planning the route or anything like that same if i want to you know cycle home to pembrokeshire so long the short of it is uh put my money where where my mouth is i found a pretty re well i found a great bike on facebook it is a ribble gcr it's an aluminium frame it's a 105 group set and it is a beautiful shade of blue most importantly uh, which i'm pretty happy with so i've not had any rides on it yet uh, i've taken it out for a little spin but um it's towing with um, spd pedal pedals isn't it you went to go and see the local swans wasn't it Oh my gosh. And what goodness gracious, it was on a cold day and I'm not I'm not I'm in the wrong hemisphere. I'm not set up for that cold weather at all. I was I was drastically underdressed, but um just had to just had to get out on the bike, you know. New new bike day means you gotta go for a little spin, isn't it? Yeah, we have covered this as well. There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Classic. Oh, and I, I mate, I've only got bad clothing. I, I think Same. I live in I think I live in the northern beaches of Sydney sometimes, like you know, I've, I've, I barely own anything that goes past my elbows at the moment. <laughs> Same. Um, what, um, so first impressions, how does it feel? How does it ride? It is, without meaning to oversimplify it, it's a road bike with fat tires. Yeah. Um, Fair, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, you're pretty much two extremes of the spectrum there. In terms of road bikes, you're on the air road end of the spectrum, which is very uh, aggressive let's say in geometry and then you've got a gravel bike which is kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum um i mean a lot of more relaxed touring bikes with a drop handlebar would be very similar to the ribble yep so it should be a bit more comfortable i'd like to think i'd like to think so the the one thing that i'll be interested to see is that um it's quite a large large frame um, and I think it'll be fine, but you know, I, in, in an ideal world, I think I would sit on an extra large bike. So we, we'll see how that yeah. one, how that one falls. I remember you said that was a bit of a concern. So the the giant say sixty three was it, if I remember correctly. And it's got a big fat extra large sticker on it. Um, it has got that. And the ribbles are fifty eight, isn't it? Ribbles is are fifty eight. Okay. And I know. I mean, it's quite normal to maybe go a touch smaller on something like a gravel bike. Same with mountain biking, to be fair. And I've got to be honest; it it it, it it's it's a theoretical concern at the moment. You know, we'll we'll know when I take it out for a spin, to be honest. But you know, sitting on it, it is lovely. The sat the saddle that comes with it, absolutely no. I mean, albeit I know I've only had like a short little short little twenty minute spin, but the saddle on it seems yeah. an absolutely you know great quality. And crucially, and maybe this is just indicative of the of the gravel nature of it, the 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 way that they've done the bar tape, it's thicker, and I can see why. Because obviously, it's got to absorb some of the impact. But also, um, the brake levers, it, it's a one hundred and five group set. It's the same as my Giant, but everything's a little more, little bit more padded. Everything's a little bit more thicker, and I'm more than happy to get on with that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's all these small changes which add up to a very big difference. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned the you've got the 105 group set, which obviously isn't aimed at a gravel bike. Did that concern you at all? Or um, I mean we I know we did discuss it a little bit. That's the interesting thing, isn't it? I 
I've got I've got two problems. I mm. think number one, uh, there is an immense shortage of bikes in the UK. There so is. They just cannot yeah. be choosers. Uh, and the long and the short of it is, I got a cracking deal on this one, and it came with a one hundred five group set. Now, I am a little bit concerned, but at the end of the day. It is a 105 group set and it's what's on my giant propel. So I know it's a, it is a class group set. And if you want to hammer out on the flats or downhills or, or you know, it, it can do it. How is it going to operate in a bit of an off-road gravel environment? Remains to be seen. I, eh? Yeah. I have no doubt it'll be absolutely fine. It is a great group set. Um, the only thing that can limit you with a road group set is the length in the rear cage. So if it's not long enough, it can't accommodate enough range on the rear cassette. But you've got a two by in the front as well. So range isn't an issue. I don't think mech length is going to be an issue at all either. Uh, and I have done up some absolutely yuck hills uh, on the Propel with the 105 group set. You know, maybe once or twice I wish, yeah. I had a, wish I had another gear. But really, that just boils down to me needing to be a bit fitter or a bit stronger, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... Is the is the gearing the same as on the Dolan in, on the um, Giant as well? In oh. the sense that is the cassette the same size on the front chain set? Uh, I believe so, but I would have to verify that. Um, I'd have to verify. It. I believe so. It looks pretty similar, uh, having had the bikes next to each other. I can definitely have yeah. a look into that though. It'd be worth looking into it because it might have the same amount of gears, but the actual ratios might be different so your lowest gear should be i'd like to think a touch lower on the ribble but that's uh to be confirmed we'll look into that <laughs> yeah but look, long and short of it is ab- absolutely buzzing to get out on it um and you know we'll see what i'm able to do this weekend to be honest that that's the plan good good hopefully the weather's all right it's not looking amazing but <laughs> should be okay it mother's be day a- as well and all that but. and i've got to be honest it's it's the added benefit of 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 these gravel bikes is that is it's an aluminium frame big fat chonty tires i'm not i'm not afraid to ride this bike you know whereas my Mm. giant that is that is carbon and all that you know oh i've not ridden it this winter to be honest i've just put it on a turbo trainer whereas you know this this aluminium frame and all that yeah you know you're 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 taking that that hit on the weight but you know, Jesus, it is so rigid. I feel that I can throw it around a little bit. I'm not too concerned. You know, look, if it is raining this weekend, hey, put a coat on. I've got more than one pair of uh, absolutely disgusting like cycling tights, uh, and I'll just I'll just get out and about and, and put some miles in. Really, yeah, exactly that. You know, and a, a nice um, amount of flexibility. Definitely, it's interesting you mentioned the shortage of bikes at the moment as well. That's that. That is a real thing, and it, yeah, it's. I don't want to call anyone out on this, but uh, one thing I did notice is, since I picked up my Dolan back in September, October, might be October actually. Yeah. Um, the price of it is actually increased by about three hundred pounds. <laughs> so I think when I picked it up with the Hunt Wheels, it was about fifteen hundred. I'm pretty sure it's about eighteen hundred now. It's it's more than eighteen hundred, which uh, is an and- interesting one. So I hope that hasn't been inflated because of. The lack of bikes at the moment, but well, look, you know, not not to throw back to like A level economics, but hey, it it is a supply and demand thing. If demand's really high and supply is really low, the price is gonna the price could alter, you know, and and maybe that's happened. Yeah, in, in the, 
for for me personally, the long and the short of it is, if I wanted to buy my sort of dream, you know, mid range bike, I'd be looking, you know, a delivery in August possibly. At which point, I've missed two thirds of the summer and, you know, opportunities. So, what I ended up buying was um, someone. Someone obviously bought their Ribble online. They had it delivered, and he just basically needed to get rid of it. It, it was a mistake. It was a bit of a, a a brash purchase, for want of a better phrase. So it was two hundred pounds off the MSS RP. It's never it had never been riv- ridden past him. Um, a few laps on his on his uh, garage driveway, um, and when I went to look at it, yeah, flipping it, those those tires look like they barely even touched the factory floor, let alone the tarmac outside. So, Good. as far as I see it, you know, brand new bike, less than MSRP, uh, in my lap, you know, the the week that I wanted it, and as a result, you know, I was happy to flex on what I would perceive to be the group set you know because i think if i had a magic wand steve i would prefer the idea and this is just the idea of a one by grx system something like that Uh, one small one one wheel at the front it's simpler there's less stuff to go wrong less stuff to have to clean and things like that that's where my head was beforehand but then you know the opportunity presents itself and you've just got no choice but to you know, you, you either take it or you don't. And I ended up taking the, the the ribble at the end of the day. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I think that was the main selling point for me as well with the one by system was ease of use. I mean, I'm not scared to adjust a derailleur if it needs adjusting. I'm pretty comfortable with that, but it's still nice just having a one by system. Um, uh, having used it though, I know we, talk, we were talking about theory there, but in, in real real usage terms, let's say, me and Jack were up uh, the Preseli Hills last weekend um, in Rosebush in the Pantomainog Forest, if you want to be specific. Yeah. And there was a lot of incline there, a lot of climbing. Um, and I did think I could do with a lower gear altogether. Um, not necessarily go to a two-by system, but if I could respec my bike now, knowing what I know, I wouldn't have put an 1134 cassette on the back. I would have gone 1140. So that decision to go 1134 was based off my old road cycling gear. I did touch on it in the previous episode. Yeah. Um, and I actually misquoted myself. It was, um, I think I said 1132 in that, but it's not, it's a 34. But um, even then, it's still not low enough for off-road use, really. So I might pick up an 1140 at some point just no. to chuck on the back. Uh, as you know, as we know, as the listeners will will soon well know as of right now, I am the layman. I am the layman of cycling. So, just spell it out to me. Th- what what was the bigger number that you just said? Thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. So if we put a bigger gear on the back, your biggest lowest gear, um, it makes it easier to cycle. So you move slower, but your cadence increases. Let's say. And the number refers to number of teeth, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for, for uh, a forty on the back would be forty teeth. It would be a massive, almost dinner plate sized, you know, part it, of the I cassette. Mean, it, it would be the biggest of that cassette, but forty still isn't that big, especially if we're looking. Well, if we're looking at off-road terms, no, it's not that big to be honest. Yeah. But that would give me an exact one-to-one ratio 
where the front chainring is a 40 tooth and then my lowest gear is a 40 tooth. So I um, see, I see, I see. At the moment, I've got a 34 on the back, which wasn't quite low enough what I needed. So <laughs> well, it's, we'll it, see. It goes back to the old adage, you know, you, you either you either get more gears or get more, you know, fitter, for want of a better phrase, you know, fitter, stronger, you know, anything like that. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> The, the the other thing the other thing come out of that is those hills that we did go up were probably some of the steeper hills that I think I'd ever ride. Yeah, and I, I'm in probably one of my worst fitness places at the moment. So in theory, <laughs> it shouldn't get any worse than that. And they were long climbs. I think it was about three or four miles of incline, almost <laughs> straight. So how how did I mean? Obviously, you know, not to put words in his mouth, but how did Jack get on with? the climb from his bike's perspective and then his fitness's perspective as well. Yeah, bike, bikes are more than capable. The bikes aren't the issue. It's just us. So <laughs> it's the, I'm it's quite lucky in the sense that um, Jack's probably at a similar position with me in terms of fitness and cycling. So we're, we're very matched. Or less, I mean, I might, be, I, I might be wrong here. He might be very fit and just being very considerate and staying with me, but <laughs> I'd like to think we're at a similar fitness level. Well, but, what, um, one or two, you'll have to educate me now. One or, I mean, I bet you this is over two years ago now. Um, me, you and Jack cycled up. What is that absolutely haunting? I'm, I'm, I am absolutely going to call it a mountain. What's the mountain yeah. that we cycled up uh, and turned around on? Yes, the Preselli's. We cycled very, up one of the Preselli's. And I feel, oh, do I, I don't want to exaggerate too much, but is that almost about an hour and a half of cycling, of of climbing or is it an hour oh, yeah no it, it's it's over an hour i'd say i mean from leaving town up to the top of that it's inclined most of the way and it takes it takes over an hour to get there so yeah 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 but that... um <laughs> interestingly it's worse coming up the other side is it so i've done it the other way around so there's uh the the, the other the bottom of the other side of the mountain uh there's a corner known as Brinberian. And from there up to the top is strong incline the whole way. Oh. I think it's a mile. So it's, it's, it seems quite short, but it's not. It's, it's the worst mile I've ever cycled, I think. Tough times, Got tough to times. Hey. The, only, uh, the, the only other climbs, well, the only other climb that's ever stuck out as being just as hard as that was when I did Capdu Fomento in Mallorca. That was... I remember strong. you saying, yeah. And they get yeah. funnily enough, what what I remember of you telling me that is that they gave you, well, not gave you, hired um, a giant propel for that ride. Identical to yours, same color, the lot. Yeah. yeah. That's it. It's a great bike. Me. I enjoyed it. But um, I'm not but... built for climbing. Going down was fun. I'm fine <laughs> going, going down. down. Done enough downhill stuff in the past. Oh, mate. So, I th- um, I, that, that's that's how most people feel you know to, going through all these lockdowns man it's like just piling on weight you know you got no option but to just sit inside you know you can try and go out for your runs and all that but you know t- tough going isn't it i won't lie i'm sat here staring at a cream filled ice bun right now from ck's <laughs> you know once we finish this i'll probably eat that and i'll enjoy it as well <laughs> but um, you know- but no you've raised a good point there as well in terms of training and just the lack of how are you how are you finding your wahoo kicker 
core, isn't it? Is it the core you've got? Yeah. Okay. So obviously, flashback to um, I a perfect moment of I bought the Wahoo Ticket Core. So okay. There are there are there there's the super high end Wahoo Ticket over a thousand pounds. Not interested in that. You know that it that is that's real money. That whereas I spent seven hundred quid on the Wahoo Ticket. Um, yep. And it was a it's been a great investment. What I've really appreciated is obviously I appreciate Wahoo's got their own training apps. There's Trainer Road. There's Sufferfest. There's there's a GCN. I've got their own training channel on YouTube that is absolutely class. But I have gone down the route of the typical. It's like the the basic bitch route, isn't it? Of just signing up to, um. <laughs> signing up to uh, classic digital cycling steve zwift zwift couldn't think about yeah. it that escaped nope. me for a moment so <laughs> uh the trouble is the trouble is right they're both amazing together and i think that they're both really boring separate so the wahoo ticket so far functionally and technically has solved all of my it's fulfilled all of my requirements because it's a smart trainer because it's direct drive you take your rear wheel off you put your chain you put your chain around it zwift is able to control the resistance as a result what the what the fantastic thing that that has facilitated was an immensely intense 12 week training block that i did on zwift okay calendars it all out it tell you know you do your ftp it's all based on your ftp so you know it's a, it's a two-hour session with 80 percent of ftp with with intervals and all that you know they, they've got the training sessions in there for you what um, is your ftp at the moment can you remember yeah two 232 um Ooh. and i'm 92 kilos so that is a two i think that's 2.4 2.5 watts per kilo which okay. is what you, you know so aka uh Av- like supremely average like category d you know I- i'm not winning any I- i'm not there's no risk to me turning pro at any point you know <laughs> i like how you consider that a risk yeah god uh, so long and the short of it is in immensely glad that i bought it when i did i think i purchased it probably you know october time um, yeah they're very tough to get hold of at the moment as well i've looked I, a lot recently uh, it was one of those moments where it was like it's in stock put your money where your mouth is or don't you know buy it or don't don't but don't moan about it if it's not there by the time you made a cup of tea you know so no and there's a good chance it wouldn't have been oh good chance i don't think so throughout the winter throughout the lockdown periods it's been worth its weight in gold i can absolutely see though as soon as spring comes or is here you know in earnest I am pausing that Zwift subscription and I am I am putting a blanket over that thing. Good. Because same with anything, nothing beats being outside, nothing beats having a good tear up. And interestingly, what I've been thinking about, and maybe this is just like a little bit of anxiety over, you know, just being like literally in, in lockdown is what I like from a gravel perspective same as mountain biking is, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong or or or, or not. The key, what is so attractive to me about gravel riding, and what's so attractive to me gravel riding with people like well, well, with other people specifically, obviously you and Jack is 
for the vast majority of our rides, it's just going to be us in some woods. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or on a, there is no risk of cars. There's no, no. risk of lorries. I mean, I appreciate we I, are doing kind of, roads. It's one of the goals, though, isn't it, to gravel cycling is to spend as much time not on the road as on as on the road uh, as possible, even. Yeah. Sorry, mine's gone blank. No. Uh, yeah. That, Rather that, than just calling it off road, it's it's more of a case of making sure you're not on the road. Let's say. And you're right, it is isolated in a good way. Yeah. Like when we when we were up in um Rosebush on the weekend, we could have been anywhere. No, oh, like I, I know. posted some pictures on the Instagram and I've got a few more to post yet as well. But I mean, yeah. Not a it, road in sight, and it was great. Not not a road in sight. And and I just I like I don't mean to be too sort of um too naive about this, but I just intrinsically love that as an idea. You know, there is nothing nicer than like being being in the forest away from the, like, I appreciate you guys live in Pembrokeshire. I live in Newport in South Wales. I'm not saying that's, that's the center of London level of standards, but I live in a city. I want to get out of the city on the weekends. I yeah. don't want to do, I do like nothing hurts me more than the idea of doing a 30 mile cycle around newport roads (laughs) you know like one of the yeah one of the perks there though is you have got quite a lot of cycle paths and if you wanted to you could go out and have a reasonably flat cycle that's one of the few things i'm jealous of i have got to be fair you know don't get me wrong heck have we got some hills just above us in kefili and in yeah in in all sorts of areas but um, but you've got the choice of not doing that if you don't want to on honestly great about more than once i've considered do i just sell the giant uh, yeah sell sell the giant propeller and just get a get a tt bike do you know what i mean just do, <laughs> just just start bombing yeah. out 20 mile tts just to because i've got i've got a link road right by me that goes up to the m4 and albeit yeah right i'm not dead yet on the m4 but uh i've got about 12 miles of flat straight link road and oh it's it's yeah. If I want to hoon up and down a road just to for 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 a half hour session, that's that's where I'll do. It. That's what I'll do. That's the one. Yeah, but no, the long and the short is the gravel bike. I'm I'm so happy that I've sunk some cash into it, and I really look forward to just getting some value out of it. To be honest, because yeah, good can go anywhere, can do anything. I mean, you know, within reason, obviously and let's just get it going the only thing that the only the final thing on my to-do list to be honest is obviously on the giant and on and on our road bikes and actually this is something i I do need to ask you on our road bikes and my road bike i've I've obviously got clipless pedals i've got sbd sls they're the sort of classic i mean i'm gonna describe three ball now Yeah. yeah you know triangle sort of thing yeah how what clipless pedals have you got on your dolan um i've swapped over the pedals for my road bike so i'm still on spdsl as well um i've got pdr 540 shimano pedals which i am hoping to swap out at some point for um a more mtb specific shoe and pedal let's say so an spd shoe yeah Um, okay i've seen there's a couple of shoe options i'm looking at um i'd quite like some physic x5 terrors so that's probably top of the list 
maybe the Rafa Explores, but they seem a bit expensive for what they are. Uh, they actually released a new shoe yesterday, I believe, or two days ago, which was a new gravel-based shoe. Um, but there seems to be quite a lot of brands now which are aiming towards the gravel market. So before it would be it would be a case of picking up a mountain bike shoe and just using it for gravel. Whereas I think a lot of companies now have recognized that gravel itself is quite a large genre or adventure biking, bikepacking, whatever you want to call it. Um, so they're catering for more road-orientated mountain bike shoes, let's say. They're like a proper hybrid of the two. So I've, I've got a bit of an open mind, but I, I know what I want in terms of looks and that I want, yeah, basically a lightweight mountain bike shoe. That's true, but, um, but the lo- yeah. but but the but the crucial factor is SBD, yeah. not SBDSL. Correct. So the main benefit of an SBD cleat and shoe is the cleat is recessed into the sole, so you don't walk funny. You can walk absolutely normally, and you still mm. get the benefits of a clipping pedal. That's interesting, and I'm on so. The bike. I mean, bless the guy that I bought the bought the bike off of. I, I said, you know, oh, go on, mate, leave the pedals on there. And fair play, he has. So, <laughs> bless him. He's left the SBD pedals on it. Yours but, are um, like a like a flip flop, like a hybrid pedal. So you've got flat one side, and then clip on the other, isn't it? Yeah. More no than yes. They're not the typical SBD pedal that. Is, is absolutely tiny you know there, like there is a sort beater. of aluminium yeah. frame around it i'll have okay. to just show it to you in person because i don't know anything about them they're definitely not hybrids you know yeah i had a 20 minute spin with some trainers on but no they're they're not designed for trainers i just think honestly okay. it's it's just got an aluminium sort of chasing shell around the around the cleaty part just but, to offer a bit more support for the sole probably it, that's what it looks like to be honest that is what it looks okay. like and i look forward to so I, I, I do not have any svd shoes nor cleats so that is this weekend's job and as soon as i get them and as soon as i put it on there i am dressing for whatever the weather and going out for a few hours and just sort of in you know really going to enjoy the bike with, with any luck touch wood good sounds great yeah um i know <laughs> Jack came from a very similar perspective to us. So we, we've we come from road to gravel and he had uh, the Borman road bike equivalent, um, basically. So he, I think he sold that and then picked up the um, adventure instead. And he swapped out his shoes and his pedals as well at the same time. Uh, but the Shimano shoes he picked up are really nice. I was quite impressed with those. They're, they're definitely a good option. They're a real mid-range slash budget shoe and... I'd rather I'm I'm looking at those as well. Um, yeah. Sold sold by our dear friends at Halfords, and you know, it's made by Shimano. It's a recognised brand. Seventy yeah, seventy five quid if you can get them. You know, I'll I'll be happy with that for the for the initial uh, input, and then look. You know, yeah, if uh, if after our four or five day you know adventure cycle, I think oh goodness, you know. You, you can always go up, can't you, in terms of get, getting something different. And with any yeah, exactly luck, you know, with the amount of people buying bikes at the moment, you know, you just plop them on Facebook for a bit off what they're worth. And, um, you know, you should be, I should be able to sell them if, uh, if I did need to, if I did want to upgrade them. So 
uh, that's probably going to be my entry point is those 75 quid um shimano shimano inputs basically yeah there's there's a good chance i might go for some go for them as well to be fair but, there, um, no see what happens, see what deals you know, come up the availability as well i know we've mentioned uh, it a lot but it's bloody hard going trying to find stuff these days well these days <laughs> this year in particular this year in particular interestingly it'll be my first i mean this is such a first world like problem if i do buy them they're not boa they're not a boa construction they're not the ratchet ratchety you know twisty bits they're just yeah. velcro, velcro straps for want of a re- want of a better phrase and i'm yeah. really interested at seeing how that will fare versus versus the boa because i love my boa shoes i've got a different shimano pair downstairs for the road bike that, that are boa there are boa clips and and it is beautiful. I'm really happy to give the Velcro a go um, and 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 just just see if it's what it needs to be. It clearly fits some sort of fit fits some sort of use case, doesn't it? It'll be fine. They'll be fine. My yeah. Mavics use a combination of the two, so the front two straps um, are Velcro, and then it's got a boa um, spinny knob for the top one then. And they're fine. I can't. I can't really complain with the Mavic shoes. They've been great. I think yep. I picked those up on eBay at a very reasonable price a few years yeah. ago now, three years ago, and um, they've been great. But I want an SPD shoe, so yeah, time and, to swap them out. Do, do you know what gets me? And and this is a bit of vanity. Is you know I've got Shimano shoes for the for, for the for the giant. I'll probably buy another pair of Shimano shoes. You know, just as you know they they are they're the name you, you know what you're getting with them but every single i'm just in a i'm just gonna pronounce it as physic i appreciate yeah physic. some say physique but i'm gonna go for physic joe has got a pair of physic road shoes and oh oh my god they're, nice, just, aren't they? they're just so nice like physic products if 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 i could go you know rob well, or purchase, you know, I, I'd I'd invest in physics. Yeah, they've they've got some good stuff. A lot of their saddles, do you think if, a lot um, of their shoes. Do you think if we send them this podcast, they might do us a deal on uh, a little squad set of physics shoes? <laughs> That'd be nice. That would be Physic, do us a deal. I don't want it for free, just a, a reasonable price. Discount Thanks. code. Uh, if 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 you like what we have to say, a referral link uh, in the comments below. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodness. That well, you know, hey, let let's start with a cycling sock endorsements. <laughs> we might see if we can get one of those first, and then uh, <laughs> then then we'll branch out. Okay, we'll look greater shoes then. Sounds uh, great. Well, well, that that's the progression. We'll get some socks, get some shoes. That after that, and then before then, you know, Dolan will start, um, you know, phoning the burner phone and um, start offering us three three of the latest and greatest. That'd be nice. Hey. They've been really receptive of our posts on Instagram. And like, I will really say, uh, mate, uh, like of, so I've got a Ribble, you've got a Dolan, yeah. Jack's got a Boardman. Mate, yeah. shout out to the Dolan social media team. Yeah. They you're are great. Just, yeah. You're, thank you. I think you. we've posted, I think I've posted three pictures of the Dolan now, which have been reposted by Dolan themselves. And and it's an in, it's, it's such cool. an interesting like insight into marketing strategy and things like that because Ribble, for instance, I mean, and I'm happy, you know, this is just my two second hot take, right? Because obviously, you know, I've I've stimmed Ribble's Instagram, stimmed Dolan's, and all that. 
Ribble's photos, they're obviously all beautiful and they're all, you know, professional as anything. But there's not yeah. many of them, you know, and there's, to me, one person's opinion, there's a sterile nature to those really staged promo photos. Whereas yeah, I absolutely 100%. love the Dolan side of things. You've got absolute monkeys like you and I taking photos on our Saturday afternoon rides. And I'm mad for that. I love that it's like Gary and Kettering's had, had a little, you know, whirl up his <laughs> local hill, you know? He's fallen off it. He scratched the fork. Great content. <laughs> but no, it's true. I completely agree. And I mean, wh- why wouldn't they repost photos that you've taken off your own back? Like it's, yeah. it, it's cheaper than setting up sending some bloke up into the mountains with some guy with a and taking photos there like yeah t- yeah i don't know and ev- everyone's winning like i remember when they first reposted one of our photos you know the the group chat was just on like it was literally like oh my god you know we we've we've made it and all that we've well, made really, it but, oh you know we're such a legitimate you know dra- gravel and toffee brand now and all that but it was class it was so good and they're getting something out of it because <laughs> You so know. the best bit about that was, yeah, it was our second post, <laughs> and the first post was a picture of our logo. So hey, just add to I, it. For what we made worth, it pretty early on. I appreciate, <laughs> you know, I, I, we're we're scratching our own bats here, and we're. Oh, I had a horrible phrase in work the other day, not for this, but we're we're licking our own own lollipop, goodness. But the Instagram, <laughs> the the insight into Instagram as a platform is so interesting, and. Um, shout, massive thanks to anyone and everyone that has already gotten on board. Are we at like, are we approaching seven hundred? I was about to say subscribers. Then that's the wrong platform. Flipping it, we've got almost seven hundred likes now. Seven hundred followers. Followers. Yeah, we're over that. We're over seven hundred. Probably about seven hundred twenty. I think so. Absolutely massive thumbs up, and I love it because people are engaging with our posts we're engaging with everyone's posts the the instagram feed is so sick and it just shows to me like there is something immensely satisfying about having a feed full of bike stuff aeropress is 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 reposting stuff all the time so i, I get into a toffee fix i've realized i mean let's be fair how beautiful the things like chemex is and all the pour over you know what a tool yeah. little platform to get up with so yeah, we will be doing a lot more coffee content. Um, it's been a bit thin at the moment, but that isn't the plan. We are hoping to do a bit more with coffee. It won't be a 50-50 split. The focus will be on gravel cycling, but I would like to do quite a bit more with coffee. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. Have you, so you've got to remind me, have you got anything on order on the coffee side of things? Yeah, so I had um, I had a Hario decanter or server arrive yesterday. I've got a Hario V60 on the way. Um, still got the cafeteria, still got the mocker. Most of my daily brews come from the Aeropress. I say mostly, yeah. pretty much all. But uh, no, looking to expand on that. And hopefully delving into espresso at home as well, which we did touch on in the first episode. So I won't harp the on old... too much about that. But yeah. um, I mean, the the, the flair was or is still one of the big options for me there. And uh, the other option is the Sage Barrister Express, which is so another the f- option. The flare I poorly communicated last episode is like, it's like a big. It's a manual lever espresso machine. 
yet. What is the other one? Because I do not know anything about that one. Um, so the Sage Baris Express is like a normal conventional electronic um, espresso machine. It's not industrial grade, but it's um, it's it's a solid contender for your entry into home espresso. Let's say. Um, so the so Sage capable... Barrister Express, it's it, it's the sort of toffee machine that you would. I mean, you won't thank me for this. You'll you could see this for sale in John Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. It's so a, it's, it's, I, a it's big probably boxy... say it's, it's going to be the most popular or one of the most popular options on the market like of all things to be fair i mean i'd love a llama zocco linear mini but i'm not spending four grand on an espresso machine at the same time Oof. and then spending probably another grand on <laughs> a niche zero grinder to go with it so that's just not happening but, that's um, the issue it, you know you can't it, you can't have like an an s tier a plus 10 out of 10 toffee machine and then an absolutely you know abominable um grinder you know no, they've, so they've, they've both got to be on par haven't they they haven't so that's a weird topic and an interesting one so the grinder is more important than the machine itself so you can have a crap grinder and a good machine and make really bad espresso or you can have a really good grinder and a below par machine and it'll make better coffee so the grinder is more important um, cause the grind of the coffee depicts how much pressure or back pressure there is mm. behind the water, let's say. And if you can't grind fine enough, you can't create that pressure. And that's where pressurized port filters come in and yeah, the grinder is actually more paramount than the machine. I, I can see that. And I get that, especially because, you know, when you look at things like French presses or, or even an area press, like they're, they're just simple such simple bits of kit, you know, the main variable is what are you putting in it? How are you putting it in, you know, the size, the the amount and all of that. So I can see that, you know, there's, yeah, I, I can absolutely see what you're saying. I think crucially, and that one key difference between you and I, maybe working from home as, as I am privileged to be doing at the moment. I, and I do mean that I'm very lucky to be able to work from home. Yeah. I find that I quite like, big coffee drinks and what i mean by that is i am more than happy to have you know i'll I'll make it up now 440 milliliters of toffee like like a big mud of toffee right yeah i'm more than happy for that to be like double espresso and then sort of americano it up with like boiling water obviously if it's a french press it's a french press uh obviously if it's if it's an aeropress you know you just top it up the idea whilst I'm working from home of like sort of not really, I don't really mean necking in an espresso, but the life cycle of an espresso is short. short. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. By its, by its name. That's, like you've just said though, that's your base. So there's so many drinks that you can make off that, but yep. a good espresso is the start. And I appreciate you can make do with, an press and kind of replicating some drinks, but it isn't the same. Uh, I'm at the moment, and I get what you're saying, 100. percent I'm very happy to live in a phase where I just want to drink a lot of black coffee. Okay, you know, like just a mud of black coffee, and that because I'm trying to like not learn about 
what I'm drinking, but I'm trying to understand, you know, does does Sain, what's the difference between Sainsbury's own brand toffee and Aldi own brand toffee? And once I can understand that, that's when I'll start thinking, all right, should we get the, the premium plus bean? And then once I've clocked a few of those, that's when it's like, well, let's get on to, you know, James Hoffman toffee roasters and get some real bespoke stuff, you know, see if I can understand yeah. what's going from where from. I completely agree with you in the sense that that's a good variable, but the other variable is how you brew it as well. So you can have the same coffee, yeah, brew it in four different methods and get four different flavors each time or profiles. That's say. true. So there's a, there's a couple of ways around it and thinking of it. Yeah. All, all a bit of fun though. And what the only, the main regret that I've got at the moment from a toffee perspective is, and, and, and you said about it brief, well, you said one of the things, I've got an AeroPress in the kitchen. I've got a I've got a French press, and they are the two. I'll flip a toy in each day, almost. You know, do I want to do which one I want to use? But what's retired in my in my shelf that I wish I could use more is a motto pot. But um, unfortunately, I've got an induction hob, so uh, the motto pot that I've got is not uh, is not compatible with that. But that really did me well when I was using that on 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 a previous oven. You can pick up those adapter plates, though, can't you? You can. Uh, you know, there, there's there's pros and cons. Uh, I think I'd rather. Hey, I'm not made of money. I would just buy a motor pot that was compatible with an induction yeah, hob. Yeah, you know. they do exist. I've seen. And them. at the end of the day, if I really wanted motor, I would just buy one of those. You know, but yeah, I've got I've got an espresso. I've got a I've got an AeroPress. I've got a French press. Hey, ninety nine out of a hundred times, that is that is going to absolutely knock my socks off and make me a happy happy chap you know yeah absolutely every morning at 10 o'clock the um the other thing i've looked at is yeah the aeropress is great like no need to mention that we like we know that undeniably but there's a lot of attachments that you can get for them now to produce different results i'm not gonna say they're better results because it's not fair but different results let's say um yep. i mean fellow do the fellow prismo which adds basically a valve to it which releases at a certain pressure. Um, and I believe it comes with a metal disc as opposed to a paper disc filter. So I'm, I thought about getting one of those, but I'm not overly fussed on that because I'm quite happy with the coffee that it produces anyway. But um, yeah. another thing I noticed, which has caught my eye, um, is something called a Puck Puck, or it's from the brand Puck Puck, let's say. And that converts the AeroPress to a cold brew dripper. And cool. I've done I've done a lot of iced coffee in the past. I used to do it a lot in work in the summer. But with that, I'd brew hot and then pour straight over ice. And that would then ice it down and make it cold. Um, but that's not the same as a cold brew. Whereas this puck puck allows you to make cold brew at home. So that's where the water going in is room temperature or cold or iced. And it brews for a longer period of time. Um, up to about 12 hours i think the puck puck is normally about two and a half to four hours i believe so it just drips so i've just i've just had a sneaky doodle so yeah you've got the area press on top on top of your mud yeah you've filled the area press with toffee obviously yeah and then it's just sort of a a, a container that sits or sort of plugs into the top of the area press 
and it drips and you, at and you fill a variable that with rate. Water. Yeah, and it drops okay. onto like a dispersion screen, let's call it, and that makes sure you don't get any channeling within the grounds, and it produces different results. Same again, I'm not going to say it's better or worse, but it's different, and that's something I really want to just give a go and try. Oh, I know, you see, um, yeah. I, I know James Hoffman said he prefers brewing hot and pouring over ice, which is what I've done in the past, especially with like, uh, like lattes and stuff that I made him work. But I do fancy giving cold brew a go and just seeing what it's like. For the sake of, I'm going to say circa, just haven't done a twit doodle, 30 twid. If you quite like cold brew, oh, probably worth it. Probably worth it to give it a go, isn't it? Give it a go. Um, and to be fair, yeah. I'm pretty happy with the idea of cold brew as well. I try like, like you're making me a bit sad, Steve, because there's nowhere as far as I'm concerned, summer is still two years away. So oh, it's not. I can't... it'll be your next month. Oh, I it know. was hot last week. I mean, we're in Wales. That's that was probably our summer then, to be fair. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's done. It's finished now. That, the end that's of... it. Eleventh of March, you know. We've had our summer. We we've had it. Get the get the massive uh massive totes back out and all that yeah flipping out um, definitely but um yeah what i mean one thing that did a thought that did come into mind was i pretty much only drink one coffee a day so i have that in the morning around about half eight before work at nine but with a cold brew i'll probably make my ear repress in the morning and then set the cold brew dripper to go on roughly a four hour stint let's say so by one mm. o'clock my lunch break this thing should be done and I should be able to have a nice cold brew coffee for lunch. Okay. Tell me if this is a stupid question, right? So let's just say it takes four hours. The the brew is four hours. If after four hours you do it, so do you put this in the fridge or do do you brew it out in the, in the kitchen? Entirely up to you. So I'd probably do half ice, half water and just leave it on the sort of shelf yeah. behind me. But um, the other me, thing I... that the other thing to mention here that's quite good is they actually have an app where you can calculate via <laughs> DPM how long it's going to take. Uh, there's an so app for that. Sure. Basically you tap on the screen every time it drips and then it'll calculate how long it'll take to fully brew your coffee technology what 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 is it's pretty basic maths to be fair technology it's still good i've just opened up the app in front of me now and it says uh the green light will appear when you have hit the sweet spot of 2.5 to 3 hours for a brew oh so that yeah, is 2.5 to 3 that's not too bad my my concern would be you know concern dramatic isn't it i want my toll brew told you know i want it like i want it fridge told i want it I want it really told, Steve. Uh, so if I, I would have to consider brewing it in the fridge because if I've left it for three hours in the kitchen to brew, I've, I've, I've got told brew, but really it's room temperature brew. And yeah, you know, I've, I need that told hit to be honest. You Obviously, could do it with ice. ice. And the other thing is, yeah, once it's finished, um, take into consideration that you are going to pour it over ice. Obviously, that's mm. going to dilute it a touch further. So just bear that in mind. Yeah, but, um, yeah, you could do that. I, I'm not sure. Well, you wouldn't be able to fit the whole thing in the fridge. That's a, that's that's a, the first thing. 
depends on the size yeah. of your fridge. Yeah, that is true. The other thing to mention is if you don't want to use the hopper that it comes with, so obviously you've got the little puck attachment which attaches AeroPress and it comes with a water hopper or reservoir, whatever you want to call it, you can actually remove the reservoir and fit like a bottle of Evian or Volvic directly to the puck. <laughs> um, and they've actually got a list yeah, on their yeah. website of compatible uh, drinks. Like threads, threaded bottles. Exactly that. So you've got to be a specific thread. And uh, I thought that was cool. I uh, and I don't be look like look. But half, half me sit, half me thinks get over yourself. But I won't lie, we are lucky being in Pembrokeshire. Well, being from Pembrokeshire, I, I'm sure everyone says this. I think we got the best tap water in the world. Like like literally the world. I think we got the best tap water. But my brother up in Birmingham, is his tap water looks like milk to me. Like it's it, the glass is opaque. So, yeah, that's... you know, the idea of if you haven't got a Brita filter or whatever, yeah, people are going to be putting, you know, bottles of Evian uh, st- straight into this thing. And yeah, that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. It's funny you mentioned that. I was watching some videos earlier and basically people had come up with their perfect recipes for water for brewing <laughs> coffee, which sounds mental. A recipe for water. it is a bit mental of course it's mental well but basically what they're doing is that they're buying distilled water with no minerals fully distilled and then they're adding their own minerals to it yeah and that gives you then obviously like the perfect balance or combination there's, been, there's a couple of videos on it it's probably not a length i'd go to but um it's worth considering hey, maybe did, probably not mate. Uh, if you hand me a bottle of Buxton water, I will tip it out in front of you, mate. Don't like Buxton. So as far as I'm concerned, you, everyone can craft on with their water tasting. That's absolutely fine. It all tastes different. But from the perspective of coffee, I do think, you know, everyone, and, and I appreciate it probably is the most crucial aspect, but yeah, you've got to pay close attention to the toffee bean, to the roast, to how you treat the toffee, you know, as an ingredient. But I do think water is a crucial element, but also crucially, yeah, milk. Absolutely. I think flipping it, I think you've got to pay pay close attention to that milk side of things, whether or not it's whatever your preference, skim, semi-skim. And and this is with my absolute biased hat on. My sister is my sister's a dairy farmer she has milk off the farm and Mm. the two types of milk that she has in her fridge is unpasteurized. So straight, I mean, is this true? Straight from the teat? It's, it's clearly clean. Like you can clearly drink it, but mate, that is one layer away from single cream. Like the (laughs) calorie content in that milk is, you know, I can spoon that, but I tell you what, it is delicious. I mean, it's delicious anyway, but it's so delicious in coffee. It's so rich. It's so, there is a decadence imagine. to adding that. But crucially, even once it has been pasteurized and put into the fridge, I honestly sit, well, I know it is still a step above whatever you can get organic or not from Aldi, Little Tesco, from, from your local supermarket, to be honest. So, yeah, I can imagine I think, that. I'd imagine yeah. it's not too far off, like gold top milk, which is like Jersey cow milk with added oh. cream. I'd imagine it's probably not too far off that. Steve, um, I think you just you just set off like a massive. Like I forgot that was a thing. 
go and buy it in the shop, James. You can replicate it. Mate, I've not been to a shop in weeks. Don't even know what the shop is anymore. Um, Whilst we're on the topic of milk, um, I picked up, um, it was about a month ago now, I picked up a milk substitute from a brand called Rebel Kitchen. And it was recommended by Hoffman. We talk about Hoffman a lot, sorry. But um, it's called Rebel Kitchen's Barrister Milk. And the milk is spelt with a Y instead of an I because they're edgy. And um, I mean, I haven't done much with milk substitutes in the past. Um, so my opinion probably isn't going to be the strongest or the most worthy, let's say. But I tried it. It's quite, it's quite good, actually. Quite happy with it. Um, if it's just like a splash of milk going in, so maybe like 60, 70 mil, absolutely fine. If I'm making a latte with it and I've got, it makes up, I mean, 80, 70% of the drink. It's a bit overpowering for me, but I spoke yeah. to Chris on it. So I actually bought a little pallet of six of them and I didn't need six. So I gave three to Chris, a friend of mine. And he drinks a lot of milk substitutes or he's had more in the past, let's say, and his partner does as well. And he said, no, it's, it's definitely one of the better ones. And he really enjoyed it. I, di- I did not enjoy it, but for me, I prefer milk from a cow honestly for like one of the main privileges that i think i am um subject to is just having no allergies or intolerances to any food well that i know of anyway and to me milk is uh, milk and eggs top top of the shopping list make sure we got loads of both um and as (laughs) a result can't do wrong hey so, uh, like, as a result, to me, the idea of a milk substitute, you know, uh, absolutely no. Like, there is no situation in my life where I think I'm going to be like, oh, I fancy almond milk. Not saying there is anything wrong with it, but I'm just always going to, I'm, hey, cow's milk, always, always going to be numero uno to me. Yeah, same here for me. Same here. I'm open minded. I'll try anything. There's nothing I won't eat. I'll eat literally anything oh hey but, uh, if, if you're out of milk and you've only got coconut milk in i'll, coconut I'll milk live is. i will yeah, live you know I'm, I'm still mad with that but um yeah hey at least we live in an age where there are milk substitutes because obviously there would have yeah, should would have could have been a time where hey if you're lactose intolerant and you like coffee you better like it black get on with yeah. it yeah simple as that that is true bit more inclusive anyway um i mean one one other thing to mention there on the coffee front is jack has recently picked up a new Presco. oh right no, he, no, 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 no no don't undersell this don't undersell this at all okay he has he has picked one up but he has picked one up through your good graces because jack i mean i was about to say bless him what what's his previous or current toffee situation it's it's um, not quite it's not quite Tento Dold Instant, is it? But he had like an electric toffee machine that is sort of like past its past its point of, you know, goodness, basically. Yeah, okay. He, um, he was in need of a toffee upgrade anyway. And long and the short of it is that you have purchased not a significant investment, but you've uh, you've you've welcomed him on, him on board with the purchase of his first AeroPress setup. And you got him the AeroPress Go, isn't it? Exactly that. So I thought it would be good to get one from a 
not a different perspective. They're not that much different at all. But I've got an Aero Press. You've got an Aero Press. So we went for the Go. Um, just so we could see the differences, compare the two. I've no doubt me or you will probably have a go at it at some point as well. Just have a look at it. It's very similar, obviously. It's pretty much the same thing, just with a folding folding spoon, pretty much. But um, I, yeah, I mean, if I, we do go I on the adventures, that'll probably end up coming with us, maybe. Hopefully. That's another topic for another day as well, because I've I've been looking at coffee bags recently quite a lot. Yeah. And I thought, because I've been thinking, yeah, it's, it's really nice to have artisan, good quality coffee on the go. But when you're traveling, when you're packing light, you have to make compromises. And is a coffee bag that much of a compromise? That is a question for another podcast once we've done more testing. But that is that, probably a good segment by itself. And we will be testing that at some point. Strong, strong agree. And that is the tool thing that like, I cannot wait, albeit, you know, de- details not to be confirmed. We have no idea when, how, if we'll do it. But when we go on our trip in Commas, again, whatever that actually involves, you know, we're going to have such a tool list of right you know yeah we're gonna go for an explore a tear up on the bikes uh you know go you know see see the sites (laughs) but i cannot wait just to have a good debrief afterwards and it'll be done over multiple episodes of like right you know what were some tool sites what were some tool places but crucially hey coffee bags thoughts because for me percy steve when i'm in situations like that i almost said survival situations that that is absolutely not I hope that is not what we're going into. Um, yeah. I'll just not drink coffee. Yeah, you know, I don't mean to offend anyone, but if I'm not at home and I'm in the woods camping, I'll just drink water. Do you know what I mean? That, that I, I'm not worried. No, not at all. I mean, you can still do it without drinking any coffee at all. It's not like a survival thing. But if if someone told you, okay, the coffee won't be as good, but it will be 85 or 90% as good, is yeah. that enough for you to be like, yeah, go on, yeah, that, that sounds great. Let's have that. But the, and that's the tool perspectives because the idea for for me, I wouldn't even bring an AeroPress. You know, uh, I appreciate no. the convenience of it, but I just be like, hey, water and you know, a, a few, a few. I I boot out the AeroPress and put in a few tinnies of Strongbow in it. You know, but <laughs> you know, what but, would be uh... great to see is, especially with the bags, from my perspective, who will happily leave coffee for the weekend. Bags weigh nothing; they take up no space. Exactly so, that. I'm willing to be converted. I, I can't wait to see what it is. And I can't wait to see the other things that we find out. Are 75 quid Shimano shoes going to get you through three or four days of cycling up and down Wales? You know, are my tires going to be versus, you know, how are my tires versus your tires? What's the difference? You know, is the one, there's a thousand things that is, that are able to be discussed and understood just from having a bit of a tear up over a few days and cycling from the top of Wales down to the bottom or, you know, whatever we decide to do. Exactly that. Exactly that. And if anyone does have any other suggestions in terms of coffee, which is easy and accessible whilst out and about for a few days, um, let us know. That'd be great. Let us know. Because we probably will do an episode predominantly based on that. So <laughs> along know, with it, you know what? along with an Instagram post and you never know, maybe even a YouTube video. We have set up. Oh, don't start. Don't. There's no uh, promises there yet. We haven't set a drone yet. Separate separate conversation, Steve. But yeah, uh, watch (laughs) that space. I'm just a bit one 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 quick idea there. I cannot wait when we are out and about doing something. 
what one one mud of Tento Gold instant, one one mud of the old uh, toffee tea bags, and then Jack can Jack can hammer out his uh, his Aeropress go, and uh, we can really we can really uh, sort the wheat from the chaff uh, with with that sort of comparison. Hey, good, that's a solid setup already. Happy with that. <laughs> Three options. Um, go. Final thing I'll tell you about is. Um, you had the privilege last weekend of going for a lovely ride with Jack, obviously. Yeah. I did not have that privilege. I decided to... Did, did I tell you about it before I was doing it? Did I mention it like the day before? I, I'm pretty sure I wasn't too vocal about it. No, you weren't at all. You literally said like the day before. And yeah. I thought it was a dreadful idea. And I still think it's a yeah. dreadful idea, but you've done it now. Well, so I'll t- Congratulations I'll tell you now, anyway. Because that's myth a big confirmed. So last weekend, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're clotting when we recorded this now. So day, day of recording at the moment is the 11th of March, right? The weekend prior, there is and was the David Doddins 4x4x48 challenge. And for those of you that have not, you know, come across it, you're not missing out. Every four hours for 48 hours, you run four miles. So the way that that yep. works in in in, uh, in practice is Friday, 8 p.m., run four miles. Then at midnight, then at 4 a.m., then at 8 a.m. Until it's Sunday at 4 p.m. And then, you know, you, you do your 12th four-mile run. And you end up running, wouldn't you know it, 48 miles in 48 hours. That's absolutely dreadful. It at, no, was, at no point was that a good idea until you finished it. So it well done, because that, that's tough going. Really glad I did it. Really amazing. And I, w- I will be honest, Steve, your mind goes into very strange places. Hmm. Sunday morning, 4 a.m., having done, you know, eight runs or... Do you know what I mean? Like, like it is... How did you find the sleep deprivation? Because that's the main bit I'd struggle with. Yeah, absolutely the hardest thing. I don't... I, I, I'm not... I mean this humbly. Four-mile run, no drums at all. I was only doing 10-minute miles. That's sort mm. of like just over six-minute kilometers. Um, as is evident, I can do that all day and all night and all day and all night. That was not the problem. The problem is midnight, you run for 45 minutes, you get in your shower, it's 1 a.m. And then you know that term 3.30, 3.40, depending on how sort of twitch you want to be, you're getting up, you're waking up again and you're going through that process again. Yeah. I will say a massive shout out to my other half, Joe, because she was immensely supportive. Mate, she cycled every single one with me. That is good. Good playthrough. Good effort, and I, and you know she she was constantly saying that oh, I can't really complain. You know I'm here cruising on a bike. True, <laughs> but the hardest thing about that challenge is just is is the sleep deprivation. Is 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 that wobbly little sleep? Um, and yeah, just just got through it. I'm really glad I did it. And my main regret. If I were to do it again, which I'm absolutely not psyched about doing, I'm really trying to dodge it. Is yeah, I just did it because I fancied it, and I've read David Dodd- Doddins's book, 
and it is an amazing book it, you know real it's just the classic like not rads to riches but he's had a hard life this is how he's coped with it and all of that um i just did it because i wanted to see i wanted to push myself i wanted to challenge myself but having seen all of the other people do it and all of the other people do it for such like really good causes i do feel i missed the trick i'm not one for fundraising i'm not very good at it i don't really I don't really want to put myself in that position, but I, whenever I do something again next time that is quite yeah. challenging, I'll really make an effort to find a platform, whether or not it's our Instagram, whether or not it's this podcast, whether or not it's just uh, actually telling people that I'm doing it, um, to raise awareness on something that I think could, would, should make, you know, raise awareness. Because, you know, the final sort of shout would be fair play to joe she did a really nice sort of quite a sincere facebook post at the end of it saying you know oh, you know well done james blah 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 and you know people engaged with that like, like hundreds yeah. of people saw it hundreds of likes and all of that and i was there sort of afterwards thinking flipping it i really wish that you know ahead of time i would have been like right here's the link to you know to the whatever to the wherever to to get help or or if you want to support someone or something do you know what i mean like yeah try and um, try and help out a little bit so that was my main takeaway from the weekend long uh, very happy i did it um in no rush to do it again don't get me wrong anna joe is an orthotist so she specializes not strictly true but she deals a lot with feet (laughs) And she is quite certain that I've got a stress fracture in my right foot. So, um, not if great. that is true, if that is true, no not pain, worth no gain. It. <laughs> no pain, no, no gain. Of course, it was, it was a say? huge achievement. And like you said, next time, um, yeah, it'll be worth putting out there beforehand. Definitely. I mean, we will use the platform. We will use Gravel Grind to mention that probably, as well as Facebook hey. and others. Not to not to not to over pitch it and pitch things on the fly, but uh, by that uh, next year we'll have our own merch out and you know we'll have a branding. So uh, I'll make sure to do every run in a in a different gravel grind uh, branded t shirt hat. That, uh, that's a good one because we we had a comment earlier from a guy on the Instagram who said if you ever put this logo on a t shirt, I'm in. I think were his exact words. He wants one. So hey, that might be sooner rather than later. We'll it's, see. It's it's within the scope, isn't it? And we'll we'll keep everyone posted on it. But yeah, absolutely love it. And I've got to be honest, Steve, the whole gravel drying situation, the it, it's been an absolute blast. And I've really benefited from engaging with and talking with other people that just like similar stuff. And what I the final thing that I'll say on it is, yeah, all right, we're all about gravel riding and we're all about toffee and all that, but the people that I've been able to engage with, yeah, all right, you know, that's the starting point. But it, to me, it seems like the the gravel riding and the toffee are like the cornerstones. And then because that's what we have in common, we have other things in common. And then we can talk about other things that I don't know about with, with people. So the the engagement that we've had with other people, absolutely, absolutely opening my eyes to just seeing, you know, hey, what's gravel riding like down in Spain? what's the pour over toffee like in Canada, you know, like it's pretty wild seeing, seeing the people that are, you know, engaging with the posts and, and dropping a few comments. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly broadening horizons already. I think we had a chap as well. Um, saying if you're ever up in Surrey, Surrey Hills, I think it was, 
Um, yeah, let's, how, like, let's, let's how sick is that? And, you know, yeah, and, and, and whilst we're on it, you know, without meaning to sign you up for anything, hey, South Wales is our neck of the woods. So you Specifically know, South West, end- Pembrokeshire. I know, yeah, I know there's a lot of South Wales gravel riders around Breconary and things like that, but uh, we are in Pembrokeshire, just to let you know. Well, hey, South Wales, South Wales Brecon gravel riders, slip in, slide into the DMs, and, and I'll come see you because, uh, hey, the more the merrier. That that's your neck of the woods, but you can come, I'll come and be taught. Be it, yeah. Right? Once lockdown's yeah. over, we'll be up there. We'll do something. Sounds good. No, what a blast. Well, final thing I'll say: absolutely love, yeah, loving the Instagram. We're at seven hundred followers. I cannot wait to see where we are by next episode. No idea when next episode will be out. You know, it'll be a week, be a two weeks or whatever, but that thing is growing like mad, mate. And I, I'm buzzing. So, uh, shameless plug at gravel underscore grind, say hello. All three of us have access to it. So, if you want to chat to one, two, or three of us, hey, slide into the DMs. And, um, unless there's anything further, Steve, one last thing, one last thing. I know you're wrapping up. Um, as James just mentioned, I think we'll aim to release a podcast every two weeks. During summer, if it's busier, we might do one every one week. It might be more, we'll see. Um, hopefully, for the next podcast, we will get Jack on board as well. Um, so that'll be the three of us on here. Yeah. And as James has said, catch us on Instagram and uh, we'll see you there. Oh, I love it. What a blast. I'm a, I, this is an absolute trip and um, I've only had positive experiences so far with it. So, Thank you, Steve. Thank you to everyone that is uh, taking the time to listen. And uh, we'll see you at the next one. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Have a beautiful time.